This then is the text for today. Thus Samuel brought all the tribes of Israel near, and the tribe of Benjamin was taken by Lot. Then he brought the tribe of Benjamin near by its families, and the Matrite family was taken. And Saul, the son of Kish, was taken. But when they looked for him, he could not be found. Therefore they inquired further of the Lord, Has the man come here yet? So the Lord said, Behold, he is hiding himself by the baggage. So they ran and took him from there. And when he stood among the people, he was taller than any of the people from his shoulders upward. Samuel said to all the people, Do you see him whom the Lord has chosen? Surely there is no one like him among all the people. And so all the people shouted and said, Long live the king. May God bless the reading of his word. It is one of the most annoying things in the world to walk towards the door and realize your keys are missing. When you reach into your pocket or you reach into your purse and they're nowhere to be found, and so you just start dumping stuff out on the table. And, and when I can't find my keys, when, when I can't find the things that I'm looking for, there, there's something that, that starts to swell up inside of me that's not good, it's not holy. You, you immediately, you, you look for someone to blame, because it wasn't me that lost my keys, it was probably Ellie, or it may have been Amy, I don't know. Somebody else lost my keys, and you're left dumbfounded. What happened? So you get, you get tense, and it, you just think, I, I do the exact same thing every single day. I come in, I put them right here, how could they be missing? And so you do the whole retrace your steps ritual, and you work through that. Where, where did I come when I, when I came into the house last night? What, what did I do? I do the exact same thing every night. What did I do different last night so that my keys aren't right here where I left them? It's maddening. And you know, it always seems to happen when you're running late. And you're running late, and you need to find your keys, and they're just gone. And so at some point as you're dealing with all of these things swirling around you, at some point, you realize that you're not going to find what you're looking for. It's a terrible realization, but we all get there. You're just not gonna find it. You're not gonna find what you're looking for today. Saul had gotten to this point. We know we've been reading 1 Samuel 9 and 1 Samuel 10 together. We know in 1 Samuel 9 that, that Saul had gotten to this point. In fact, he looks, he has, he has one of his men, his, his, uh, fathers hired men with him, and, and he just he looks at him and he says, "This this is this is over. It's it's time to go home." They had been searching for three days for Saul's father's donkeys that were lost. They they go high and low. They, they're scouring the countryside. Our scripture tells us they search through four different regions looking for these donkeys. And Saul was beginning to worry, one, they're not going to find the donkeys, but, but two, the, the family is going to start worrying about them, thinking that, that they're lost and they're gone. And so he, at some point, you just, you just realize you're not going to find what you're looking for. You've got to do something different. I mean, how long do you go on looking? How, how long do you go on looking for your keys when they're lost? Uh, how long... Should, should Saul be looking for these donkeys of his father's? I mean, how much time is enough time? And he's beginning to realize that this is, this is a tedious task. 
It's been assigned to him by his father, and now it's just not going to get done. And, and we live in this, this same kind of world that, that Saul is living in, where we are constantly constrained by these kinds of things, constantly constrained by tedious tasks that we would rather not be doing. We'd rather be doing something else. We'd rather be do, doing something fun, something for ourselves, something beyond the urgent errands that have to get done today. Surely there is something more to life than those urgent things that must get done this day. Those kinds of things on our to-do lists. Life, life is exponentially more than errands and assignments. You know, as Saul was, was realizing this, as he was realizing the, these lost donkeys weren't going to be found, God revealed to him something important. God revealed to him the, the place of Samuel, the seer, Samuel the prophet. And as it turned out, God used those wayward donkeys to accomplish his kingdom work. God used that tedious task to bring Samuel and Saul together for the first time. There was something holy in the menial. There was something holy in this tedious task that Saul had to get done. Life is exponentially more. It's, it's exponentially more than looking for keys and getting the bills paid. You know, we race around in our life like those are the most important things. Those are the things that have risen to the top of our to-do lists. Things like attending a meeting or sitting through another conference. Our, our tendency is to live our lives like this, trudging through those tedious tasks of life. But what if there's something more? What if there's something more than those kinds of things? What if there's something more than all of the things written on our to-do list this week? What, what if God is in those moments? What if God is in those moments as much as he is in the Ark of the Covenant? What if our God, the creator of the universe, is using generic daily tasks for the kingdom of God? Now, I'm not hoping you lose your keys tomorrow, but what if God can use an annoyance like that to reveal his character to you and in you? What if God can use a, an annoying little tedious task like that to redirect you to his purposes? Where, where your life has been focused in another direction and he uses something small like that to pull you over and say, you need to be going this way. Let me introduce you to Samuel, the man that's going to change your life. What if God's doing that in these kinds of tasks? The real concern for us then is, is what are we expecting? What are we expecting out of these kinds of tasks and what are we expecting out of our life? Because when we're expecting God to work and we're expecting the Holy Spirit to be real every single day of our lives, God begins to, to use those tasks, those individual things of our day to do something extraordinary. There's so much more there than you realize. Saul had no clue of the cosmic consequence of his searching for those donkeys. He had no clue what was happening in that moment. The angels of God were working whether you acknowledge them or not. And, and God, God is there doing his work even when we miss it. 
But search out God's presence because it's there. Search out God's presence and seek what God has in store for you this day. Because too many of us, too many Christians, are allowing the mundane tasks of life to define us. Where, where that's all we are about are the errands that we have to get done this week. But see, while you're dealing with those kinds of things and living your life like those are the most important things, while you're wading through the mud, God is drilling down deeper. God is going somewhere else, drilling down to, to, to significance in your life and in your ways. See, part of this is that we have to realize that everything that's on our normal to-do list in life, they have been done by everyone since the dawn of time. These things are not nearly as critical as we make them out to be. And they're, they're draining us. They're, they're draining us of, of true life. And, and none of it ultimately matters. The dry cleaning, the mail, the meeting, the milk, getting a new key made, all of those things can be done tomorrow, and all of them will probably need to be done again next week. They just kind of come. And the donkeys don't matter. Those donkeys are just, just another lost thing that had to get done on this to-do list. And there's, there's a lot of donkeys sitting on our to-do list. Turn your tedious task to-do list into something holy. Let God use it. Expect God to use it. Something as simple as looking for your lost keys becomes ordained. You searching for the lost can be a watershed moment for the kingdom of God. See, that, that's, that's the first level here. That, that these menial tasks of life can be used by God for something good and something holy, e even in their lowness. Let God refocus it. Let God refocus you into something good, something extraordinary. Expect God daily. And there's something more. We, we can take it another step further where God continues to drill down deeper into what he needs for us and needs with us. So let, let's take it down to that, that next level. We get down through our tedious tasks to-do list, which in reality are not what God has in store for us this week. They may be a step on the way, but, but they're not what God has for us this week. See, as we search through the scriptures, we realize that God has something greater, something better on our to-do list. And God gives us, in this holy word, there, there are all kinds of things that God has given us to be about and to do and to live out in ways that will change our life, make us more like him. And instead of listening to his word, we listen to everybody that's around us. We, we listen to our own flesh and we let our flesh we let our friends, we let our neighbors, we let our family, we let all of them decide what's on our to-do list this week. When in fact, this is the first place that we should be going to determine what needs to be done this week. It isn't determined by our boss, it's determined by our king, and it's written down and has been for ages. These other things, they're menial. In the grand scheme of things, they are meaningless compared to what God has written to you in his holy word. And let's run through some of those because God has given us to-do lists that need to be done this holy week. Let's, let's give some examples. Let's start with Matthew 5 and 6. Those are tough chapters. Uh, 
right out of the word of Jesus Christ that he has given us to live this week. And they're hard to do, but he says, this is, what you, this is who you're to be this week. Let's run through them. So if you read through, read through Matthew 5 and 6 this week, you're going to see these things. Be merciful. Be a peacemaker. Let your light shine before others. Be reconciled to your brother. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Forgive others. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. That's the only to-do list that matters. Donkeys don't matter. That Matthew 5 and 6 matter. Let me give you a couple more. You move into to Micah 6, 8. You probably have it memorized. Act justly. Love mercy. Walk humbly. Put, put that down as your to-do list this week and see what God does with it. There's another one. 1 Corinthians 13. We sort of brush it off because we have heard it so many times, but it is a beautiful description of how we are to live this life. You know, Jesus tells us, he says there's two commandments. There's only two commandments that you need to follow, two commandments you need to know. Love God with all your heart, love the people around you unconditionally. It's around that word love. And our lengthiest sort of full definition of love is 1 Corinthians 13, where Scripture is compelling us to live a loving life like we have never lived before. That's, that's our to-do list this week. And let me give you one more you probably know too. It's out of Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit. Paul tells us there in Scripture that if you're living by the Holy Spirit, these kinds of things are the things that are happening Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those are the kinds of things that are happening in your life. Let that be your to-do list this week. See what God does this holy week. Because the greatest concern of the day is not that you have lost your keys, but that you have not love. That's where we need to be. Our love is what we have lost. Turn your tedious task to-do list into something holy. See, we've got two ways to do this. Expect God to use those, those annoying moments of life, the, the looking for the lost donkeys. Expect God to use those. It's the same time. Let's hand the rest of it over. Hand your whole to-do list over to God for tomorrow, and, and, and let's use his list instead of our own. Where whatever comes my way, Whatever's going to come at me this week, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to do it with love, and I'm going to do it with joy, and I'm going to do it with peace. I'm going to do it with gentleness. I'm going to do it with faithfulness. And, and we're not going to check anything off our to-do list unless it is done in the kindness of the Holy Spirit. That's a different way to live. That's when we begin to understand that the donkeys don't matter. See, when, when, Saul, when Saul eventually runs into Samuel, you, you know this, you've read this this week, when they eventually run into each other, what does Samuel tell him? He says, don't worry about the donkeys. We've, they've already been found. That's, that was taken care of a long time ago. We're here to meet together about something else. They're fine. This is more than the donkeys. And it's at that moment where, where, where Samuel tells him, forget that, that Saul begins this progression into the king. or into the prince. It's kind of hard to tell here. In fact, scholars argue over this. Is Saul going to be a prince, or is he going to be a king? Because in, in 1 Samuel 1, 9, we're, we're in chapter 9, 9 chapter, uh, chapter 9, verse 16, 
When God is laying out the plans, Israel is asking for, for someone to come and lead them and be a king to them. God is laying out the plans in 916. What does he call that? He says it's a prince. So some people take that to mean that God is forever the king and, and, and Saul is going to be this, this earthly leader and he'll be a prince. He'll fall underneath the lordship of God. Others say that's not, what, that's not what's meant here. That, that maybe this term prince is really kind of king in waiting, and in a couple chapters he'll be king, and it'll be okay. So scholars debate back and forth about this. It doesn't matter what the words mean, because we know the truth, and we know the heart of this. Practically, none of, none of that matters, because it doesn't matter what, what, you give, what title you give Saul. It doesn't matter who you elect as president or king. It, it doesn't matter who you crown. Our God will always be the king of kings. That God is in charge no matter what we decide to do here on earth. Saul was only ever going to be a temporary solution. Every earthly ruler that we have is a temporary stopgap. Only Jesus Christ reigns forever and ever. And that's who we hold on to. That's who we follow. He is our king, our leader forever. For the ages to come, we listen and we bow down to Jesus Christ alone. It doesn't matter what you call Saul. We're bowing down to Jesus Christ. God makes this clear when you look down at 9, 16, 1 Samuel 9, verse 16. He's explaining all this. He says, there's a time coming tomorrow. He's talking to Samuel. I'm going to send you a man from the land of Benjamin. He says, I want you to anoint him ruler over who? My people. It's God saying. And, and God says, and, and he's going to deliver my people. And he's going to deliver my people from the hands of the Philistines. And, and God continues on. I have I've regarded my people because their cry has come to me. God, God wasn't going to let them off the hook. You don't belong to Samuel. You don't belong to Saul. You belong to me. You are part of the kingdom of God. No matter what happens down here on earth, you are my people. And as that message resonated in 1 Samuel ages ago, it still resonates today. It doesn't matter who your earthly leaders are. You are my people and my people alone. And I'm going to take you up and I will protect you forever. That's who our God is. And so then we move. We get through this whole scene. We move through chapter 10. And finally, as we get through chapter 10, Saul is going to be made king. That's what the, the people, that's what the Israelites call him. They say, long live the king. And so Israel gets down. We get down to, to chapter 10, verse 22. And they're finally ready to anoint Saul as king over themselves. And they start looking around. And, and, and he's lost. They, they cannot find the bright and shiny new king that they had hoped for, that they had just received. This is like losing the keys before you leave the dealership. See, I, ironically, these people, they wanted less of God's leadership in their life. They were telling God, we want distance. We believe in you, but we want distance from you. And so we're going to separate ourselves by having this earthly leader in place. And so they, they go and they do this, and they tell God, we want less of you. And then they have to turn around, and they have to ask him, well, well where did our king go? The, the new king we just got, where, where is he? We don't know where he is. And God answers them. We, we read it just a little, little bit ago. And God looks down with pity on them and says, the king that you want 
has hidden himself inside the luggage. Now, you can imagine Saul folded over inside of a suitcase with his legs sticking out of a zipper, but that's not exactly what we mean here, right? This, this word for baggage or luggage that's used here is most often used with military supply convoys. We have these convoys of just cart after cart, carriage after carriage, carrying all the luggage and all the supplies you need for, for months away. So that's, that's what we're talking about here. There's probably these, these carts for, for hundreds of people with things in them, and, and Saul's probably just sitting over there by himself trying to hide. But Israel lost their king before he was even found. And they had to go back to God and ask him for help. And God helped them. It was one more reminder that it is our God who is in charge no matter what we make up our minds to do. And, and we do that often. We, we get it in our heads that we can take care of ourselves, especially when things are going pretty well, especially when things are, are, are relatively peaceful, Things seem to be relatively okay. We start to think, well, I can, I can take care of this. I can take care of myself. I can take care of my family. When we start to feel that way, we, we, we do things the way we want. And, you know, you can do things the, the way you want. But as you continue to do things the way you want, and you continue to build this life as you see fit, you're going to come to a point at some point, you're going to realize that you're never going to find what you're looking for. You're never going to find it within yourself. You're, you're, never, you're never going to be able to find it out in this world. You're never going to be able to find it in, in any sort of task that you complete or any sort of ladder that you climb. You're never going to be able to find what you're looking for in any of those places. Israel's going to get there eventually, too. Where they, they, they're going to realize they haven't found it. Saul wasn't the answer. They they didn't find what they were looking for. The control that you seek over your own life is an illusion of power where you are going to fail and fail miserably without Christ as your king. See, we know the rest of the story of Saul. We're going to see it play out in, in the rest of Samuel. Saul fizzles out as king. He becomes a kingly failure. And he fizzles out just like our life fizzles out without our God. See, without Jesus as the king of your life, everything that we do is just this nebulous list of tedious tasks that just have to be done over and over again to perpetuate themselves. Life becomes ultimately meaningless unless you know Jesus Christ as your king. See, let let Jesus bring order. Let Jesus bring meaning and purpose and hope into your life because that's the only place that you're going to find it. No earthly king, no earthly place, no earthly position is going to be able to do it like Jesus Christ can. He's the one. He's the one that we need. He's the king that they were looking for and the king that we have. See, God has greater things in store. It's far beyond our imagination, far beyond our plans. God has greater things in store for you. It's beyond your tedious tasks to do list. And so we just submit it all to God this morning. We, we lay it all before him in the altar. Your life, your list, your tomorrow, this holy week, we lay it on the altar before God and allow him to do as he chooses because he is our God. If and when we do this together, life will be sweeter than we ever could have imagined. And instead of expecting yourself to trudge through another week, 
Let God shape that week for you. Let God shape this holy week. Turn it into something truly holy where your tedious task to-do list becomes his, becomes set apart for God, truly holy. Let's pray together. Father, this time is committed to you. And we pray that as we've committed this time of worship to you, that we would extend that and that our worship would not stop at noon but would continue into the evening, push forward into the week. And Lord, that your Holy Spirit would define our lives, not mundane tasks, but the powerful Holy Spirit of God. Come fill us, stir us on to new holy things. It's in the name of Jesus Christ that we pray, amen.